Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hi, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but I don't know if this is a happy story or a horror story. I've been asked to a proper, really big party on Thursday night and I have (laughs) said yes. And so there are various iterations of panic, starting with, I mean, what to wear. No idea. And too paralysed to even look in my wardrobe, which is, you know, now like a completely foreign country. I don't know what it's it's like. It's a dressy uppy thing. How am I going to get there? It's a combination of, oh, God, I haven't really been taking Ubers. Will the Ubers even have any petrol? Will they turn up? Will it be raining? How do I get there? And then how do I get home? Should I drive? Uh, Because will I be able to park? But then I can't drink. So then I get there and then I start drinking. Or do I? Should I be having water for every drink, which I've never managed to do, even though I'm old enough to know better? And then will I want to leave immediately? Or will I want to stay? Who will I talk to? What will I say? You know, almost to the point of sort of, should I be sort of storing some anecdotes so that I can just manage the social interaction? So, you know, it's it's four days away, so I'm relatively calm now, but I think I'm going to be in a in a muck sweat of panic to the point of cancellation by the time it gets to tea time on Thursday. So I love the idea um, of, of, of you actually sitting there and practising like conversation, like, right, I need to brush up on the petrol crisis, what's yes. going on in between China and Taiwan, or whatever, you know, just in case it's... Or just a couple up. of amusing stories about when someone inevitably says, how was your summer, which I hate that question. <laughs> um, or so tell me about you, which I can't even begin to cope with, it sort of makes me spin on my heel. I mean, uh, you know, when we first started go- sort of seeing people again in sort of May and June, I suppose, I, I had a, a, a new speciality, which was to have an internal panic and turn on my heel and turn my back on someone in the middle of talking to them <laughs> wow. and then and then go off take a few deep breaths and return and try to explain myself so I'm hoping that ship has sailed but I don't know what flavor of panic will make itself felt on Thursday anyway we shall see I can let you all know next week Emily how are you um, that's so exciting I know you could even like start conversations about whether or not you've got the heating on I feel like that's the that's basically my chat at the moment yes one of my one of my low points during um as we came out of lockdown was I found myself discussing with someone our favorite pasta shapes <laughs> But I love those micro-boring conversations, you know, cycle lanes, you know, yeah. all that good stuff. I'm absolutely fine, but I have realised that I am terrified of hot water bottles. And I didn't realise it 
fully the other day until I made one. And I honestly, I don't know what it was, the panic. Is it going to explode? Boiling water everywhere. Also the shaky hand as you pour into the kettle. Do you do it over the sink? How tight do you tighten it? And also if you tighten it so tight that you might never ever get it off again. I know. it's all. It feels all right, doesn't it, when a hot water bottle's on you, but not when you are on the hot water bottle. Also, what happens if you roll over and it bursts? What happens if the dog jumps on it and and I mean, the peril... Slashes it with its fangs. <laughs> I mean... I know, but you know, I completely agree. And yet I have never heard an anecdote about someone being scalded through a popping hot water bottle. Just as I've never actually heard about anybody shattering their coccyx irreparably by sitting in a deck chair. But when I look at deck chairs, I feel extremely unhappy and defended. Exactly. And I now feel this way about hot water bottles. So we can add that to hot water bottles, deck chairs, quicksand, all things that I'm genuinely Hot water bottles, the act of making yourself a hot water bottle is supposed to be self-care, solace, refuge, all that good stuff. Ruined. Another thing bites the dust. Another fucking thing. Anyway. Okay, mid-adults. Now we don't normally talk about babies or children on the podcast, but... What happens when things get interesting? When you get to 37 and you're single and being a mother is the only thing you've ever really wanted to be. Our next guest made the increasingly popular and brave decision to go it alone. She bought some Danish sperm and off she went. Simple? Not really. Liv Thorne has charted her unusual journey to motherhood, first on Instagram and her accounts called Liv's Alone, and then in her book of the same name. She's here to tell us everything you wanted to know about solo parenting, but were afraid to ask. Liv, how are you? Hello, I am absolutely fine, but I've been trying to get hold of the DVLA. (laughs) And it is literally making me want to rip my own organs out of my body through my nostrils. And I don't know why something that we are beholden to is so complicated to get hold of. And and I hate adulting. This is the main problem. I just hate adulting. And the other thing that's happened today is there was an extraordinarily handsome man in the village with a gorgeous dog. And I've never seen him before. And will I ever see him again? And should I have followed him? Yes. Or like, where is he? <laughs> so these are the things that are going through my mind. Do you think today. he was a figment of your imagination? No, he wasn't, because my niece is staying with me today, and she came and she was the one that pointed him out. She's like, Live, live, look. I was like, oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. I so love the idea. Real. I love the idea that you had to get someone to vouch. For his yeah. reality, because that's where yes. we are now, isn't it? It's like, did that I see this? Is this a mirage? An extraordinarily handsome man <laughs> with a gorgeous dog. Yes, it is. Oh my so, god! So, yeah. Operation Village Dog Man. I know. Is go. Is press go yeah. on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Liv, when did it occur to you that things might not go in a straight line as far as having a baby was concerned? Oh, that's so tricky, isn't it? Because, like, I can answer when I wanted to become a mother because that was from age ever. You know, I wasn't one of those people that in their 20s was like, oh, no, I don't want kids. And then suddenly in their 30s, like, oh, God, no, I do. I always wanted them. It was, I've been an auntie since I was 12. I am from a big family. Like, I always knew, in inverted commas, that that's what my life would be. There'd be a husband and a baby as many babies as I could get in my head and then in my 20s a lot of my friends started getting married quite young um sort of 23 24 and I was like oh my god okay that's not happening for me I'm not even going on dates 
then by the end of my 20s, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm still not going on dates. And they're on baby number three or, you know, and they just seem to have their shit together so young. And I didn't, couldn't even go on a couple of dates. And I know, it's interesting when you look around. It's like marriage and babies was just happening to them. Just happening. like It was like they were tripping over husbands in the street. Yeah. And I couldn't even, well, I say find a second date. Had I been looking, I'm sure I could have. But I, so what was going on? I Well, again, I've not realised this until fairly recently, but my parents died when I was younger, so my dad died when I was 12, my mum died when I was 17, and they'd both been ill beforehand. So from the age of about seven, there was quite a lot of, like, stuff kids shouldn't have to listen to or hear about, or palliative care, or, you know, just terms they shouldn't know. But to me, I thought that was totally normal because I'd had it in my life for so long. Yeah, so very recently, like embarrassingly recently, I realised that that actually made me have real issues with abandonment, essentially. So the trauma of, of my childhood, whilst I don't want to make everything like, oh, my parents died, so I can't possibly do anything. Had I realised it earlier, I don't think it would be an issue because I'd have got it sorted. But I suddenly realised that I wouldn't ever really go on a second date or... I wouldn't fancy people I knew might fancy me back because the thought of them, of it working and them being able to break my heart and leave me or I couldn't go through that kind of heartache again. But this was all really subconscious. I had no idea I was doing it until things like, yeah, writing the book, I was looking through and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, these things are, oh, okay. And I did that. And that guy asked me on a second date and I said no because... He had blue shoes or whatever. You know, I'd just make up the most ridiculous things to not make anything go any further, which is fine unless you want a kid. <laughs> so, you're, so you're in your early 30s mm-hmm. and everyone's having babies. Uh, and is that when it struck you that you, know, that you might have a situation on your hands? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By then it's like I knew that fertility doesn't last forever and I... Whilst I really don't agree with the sort of very finite terms the fertility industry put in your in your mind, like at 35, you will combust and nothing will ever happen again and you will all die. And, you know. They literally, it's almost like they tell you to put a date in your diary. 100%. Yeah. On your th- and they use that phrase, off a cliff. Off a cliff. So on your off 35th birthday in your diary, you mentally have written off a cliff. Which is also not true. But also, if you're pregnant age 35, they say you're a geriatric mother. I mean, at what point point are we ready to face that? Exactly. So I was off a cliff and then becoming a geriatric (laughs) mother. And I was 36. You know, you're like, are you kidding me? What? So so whilst I don't subscribe to that notion of that your fertility will jump off a cliff suddenly like Cinderella at midnight on your 35th birthday... Also, there is scientific fact, obviously, that your fertility does decline. And I'd always joked about having a sperm donor. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? You know, if I was still single in 15 years. Oh, shit, I still am. And I knew that I couldn't go to my grave not having tried to have a baby. Uh, if it didn't work, then I'd have to work through that. And blah, blah, blah. But I needed to try to have a baby of my own. And so, yeah, that's when it, it was like... And, and also when friends started having babies and I'd just cry. Like... I'd try and be happy for them. And I was happy. That's not true. I was happy, but I was sadder for me than I was happier for them. And that's not a cool way to be. I remember having to say to myself, you know, other people being pregnant doesn't make you 
any less pregnant. Absolutely. And but nonetheless, I couldn't walk through maternity departments. I couldn't watch no. nappy adverts. Absolutely. This sort of internal monologue of hate would start mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. ring in my ears as I saw pregnant women in the street. It's a very toxic thing to so experience, toxic. especially when you are, as you say in your book, carrying around your womb every day like empty Tupperware. You're just yeah. very aware of what's not happening. And we're yeah, all, yeah, we all know time. now we're meant to not live our lives according to what is not happening. Yes. But that's really hard when there's something so visceral that you want to happen. Like, I tried really hard to ignore all of this, and I tried really hard to be a nice friend and to get involved with their kids and to be a good godmother. And and I think I probably was, but it... I, it took At some work. personal cost. It wasn't natural. Like, I found it every christening I had to go to, every when everything I found was about me. I made it about me. And that's just wild, you know. Kids christening shouldn't be about me. It's about the gorgeous babe and their parents, and you know. Or them saying, oh, Liv, I'm pregnant, shouldn't be about me. That's got absolutely nothing to do with me. But in my head, it was just a diatribe of... Oh God, okay, that's another person. So, is there anyone else I know that's single now that I can? Yeah, so it's sort of the the, the terrible thing is, is that your own sadness starts to turn you into a bit of a monster. Absolutely. So was it was it a slow dawning for you that you were moving towards making this decision, or did you Mm. wake up one morning and think, right, I'm on it? No, it was quite slow. Yeah. And then it was when I was at my godson's birthday party, or. I can't remember what it was, but I was in my godson's house in the garden and his mum, my best friend, came and sat next to me and I was holding him. He was about, he was cute and 18 months and just smiling, giggly. And I was just weeping. And she just sort of took my hand like, come on, babe. And I was like, okay, yeah. You know, because there was no, I kept trying to put it off because I can't afford it. I can't, la, la, la. Am I, could I do it on my own? La, 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 la. Uh, but actually I was doing it because I was absolutely terrified. Um, because I didn't know. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. And I think I think a, a lot of decisions with fertility, the gynecologist that I saw when I was getting pregnant said, you know, this is kind of like Monopoly. We can't really roadmap it because you don't know what you're going to do till you know what's just happened. Yeah. So you have to stay quite agile around it, which is yeah. difficult for something so that. big and scary. No, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at being agile in anything. I'm. I need things to be that I can control, which... I soon learnt pretty quickly, fertility is the sort of uh, preamble to parenthood of never being in control again. And it is a lottery. No one, it's like when people say that, oh, I went to this great whatever gynaecologist, whoever, who who assured me I could get pregnant within three cycles. And I'm like, that's bullshit. It, nobody can tell you you can. It is not, there's nothing that can be written in a script to say. So that's one thing I'd love people to know is don't listen to that. Well, don't listen to the finiteness of anything, whether it's positive or negative. Yes. It's, you've got to just take it for you as it comes. And yeah, there are things that are fact, but there's a lot that, there's no one else in the world that's my age, height, weight, genetics, with the same sperm, height, weight, age, genetics, that were going together at exactly the same time to know whether it would work. Like, so did you start by getting yourself all checked out? Was that your first step? Right, yeah, I'll get I my, the, my blood done, my, yeah. my follicles scanned, all yeah. of that. I went to and, the doctor, my GP, and just said, I want to be pregnant. And to see if they could do anything. Because financially, I wanted to try and see if I could get anything on the NHS in terms of those blood tests. And that is a postcode lottery as to whether you can. I know some people that haven't been able to get those blood tests 
blood tests on the Well, NHS. I knew that IVF was a postcode lottery, but you can't even get your hormone levels checked. No. Your AMH and FSH no, levels no, if you live no. in the wrong place. Yeah. What a nightmare. I know. So luckily, I was my doctor was amazing. Just said, let's get some bloods. And I was too scared to ask what the bloods were for. <laughs> you know, I, I honestly, I just love looking away until I have to face something. And so I was like, okay, yeah, let's get bloods. Sure. I have no idea what for, but yeah, let's face them. <laughs> and then it became clear that it looked like I had no fertility issues, as it were. All the levels were fine, la, la, la. So that's and you get a letter back saying using the word optimum, don't Opt- you? Letter back. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, optimum, yeah. which is all very pleasing for your and then for I, your weight and height and age. And then I, yes, exactly. So you, yes, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. could be that could be optimum, but not so optimum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then and then I I mean I I certainly found that yes, you start in a little bit of a haze, but then you've kind of got to attack it. You've got to run it like a business because no one else will. You think that your doctor will, but no one else does. No. Puts together all the coordinates and works out the dates and times. And oh my God, is that going to happen on a and Sunday? You don't if it's know a Sunday. The coordinates. It's, yeah. That's the thing is, I had no idea what I was. I was just Googling stuff and hoping that those dots would all join together at some stage. And because everywhere you turned, there was another decision of something that I hadn't considered, like. Would the sperm bank that I happen to have chosen in Denmark be accepted in the clinic I was using in London? Because some clinics don't take certain sperm bank deposits and all this. You know, just it's just admin everywhere of decisions that there is no right or wrong answer. Did anyone say to you during this process mm. when you were in admin and in stress mm. and probably slightly in disbelief? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Did anyone say don't do this? No, not one. No. Not one person. Not one. And that's the, that's what sort of kept me going is that I assumed there would be people that when I told them would go, oh dear, oh dear. I um, think that's, that's our own shame, isn't it? Absolutely. Because yeah, you think, because yeah. you think, you think what's wrong with me, this has never happened. And so you assume the world will think what's wrong with her. Yeah, why on God's earth? And actually, no. But no people are very, very compassionate, aren't they? Yeah, and really. understanding. And yeah, I mean, so like my parents' friends, they're quite old school you know, everything was very normal for them, in inverted commas, you know, they all got married young, they had nice lives, la la la, and so I just assumed some of them would be like, oh my god, what on earth you do it, and actually they were the ones that were like, of course, of course you, you know, and it was always people that, yeah, I assumed wouldn't be interested, were the ones that would text every week going, just checking in, are you cool, you know, whereas other people who I thought would be more involved, I haven't heard from, or as much as I would have thought, you know, and that's really interesting as well. It does throw up those surprises, the treasures that reveal themselves. And then the people that you thought would be your absolute allies who are just just sort of absent. And you understand, but it is a surprise. Yeah, exactly. It is treasures that you're like, I didn't realise I meant that to you. I didn't realise, you know, I didn't realise you'd think of me when I wasn't having a glass of whatever with you. Um, Yeah, so it's it's a constant stream of... um, Shit, what do I do? Do I know enough about that? Can I Google it? Is there the right answer? No, so no, no. Bef- before you embarked on <clears throat> buying your st- uh, sperm and having your treatment, which you had to pay for, yes. um, how much budgeting did you do? Because in, in my experience of a situation not entirely dissimilar to yours, you have to be very grown up about the money and also the money yes. is, is the scariest bit in a way. The scariest. So had you been saving? Were you preparing? No, I, 
I've never no, said. No, why I'm would I do so that? I'm so bad with saving. Like, I'm embarrassing with my poor money skills. And again, I'm now 42 and I'm just learning that saving's quite a good thing to do, Liv. Come on. And so what I did was remortgage my house. So I was bloody lucky that I had the option to remortgage the house. And so some of it was going to make do all the stuff in the house that needed doing, that you know, all the leaks plumbed and the, you know, so that when the baby was there, we wouldn't be swimming through a bathroom or whatever. You'd be watertight, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, 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 exactly. And yes, even if your body wasn't. <laughs> even, yeah, 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 my house was, so that was fine, thank God. Um, and can, you put, can you put a figure on investigation to birth? How much, I mean, before we even get into, you know, what babies cost? Mine was about... 14, 15 grand. Yeah. And that was IUI, not IVF. That was IUI, IVF. So the budget option. Yeah, the budget option. Because for two reasons. One, I was really convinced that I didn't have a fertility issue. So my issue was that I was single rather than that my body wasn't able to reproduce. So I didn't want to go straight to IVF. If I but also, it. I think at 37, most doctors would advise you to give IUI a couple of goes. Nope. Did Mine, they not? No. That's straight, interesting. Yeah, straight to IVF. And they were the couple that I spoke to were really strong in their belief that I should go straight to IVF. And I get it because they're scientists and they like facts and they yeah, like, they look at the stats they, yeah they look at the stats and they like and i get that entirely so but the trouble is with iui which for listeners is the is basically a medical um turkey baster so it's much less invasive and it's much less expensive than ivf i think the problem is the stats of i think around 11 percent success rate for iui yeah. are based on people who have been trying to get pregnant with their partner for a year or two not on someone like Liv who yeah. You know, it could just you could just snap your fingers and it will happen. You didn't quite snap your no, fingers and it no, happened. No, I wish. So yeah, so so you you insisted on IUI. I insisted on IUI because I yeah I wanted to just see if it would. All, I didn't really want to pump myself full of hormones if I didn't have to, um, because I'm my body's mad enough as it is. I didn't mm-hmm. want to try and fluctuate mm-hmm. it if I yes. But I was very ready to do IVF if I needed to, um, but yeah, I chose IUI first because and financially um it was cheaper even though actually obviously it could mean that i had to do more iui than one ivf but it is significantly cheaper what you're doing how did you pick how did you go shopping for your sperm what were you looking for as you browsed because i think often with these sperm banks you can hear the man's voice can't you maybe Mm -hmm. see a baby picture you Mm -hmm. get a full medical history what were you looking for so at the beginning, I was looking for someone who I'd want to go on a date with. Like, I was like, oh, he sounds fun. Oh, he likes dogs. Cool. Oh, he loves cooking. Ace. Oh, you know, he loves his mum. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he likes to hang out with his granny. Really ace. Tick, tick, tick. And then I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that will never come down into the baby. You know, that isn't the kind of stuff that's passed on. Well, it might be, but who knows? And because my family is riddled with various illnesses, I suddenly realised actually what I if I had the choice, which I did, I needed to go for health. So um, I sort of whittled them down. And obviously in a sperm bank, they um, vet people. So they're never going to 
let you buy sperm of someone who's likely to pass on a genetic disease. But I still want you, because you get the paternal and maternal up to gran and granddad, familial health. So how they died, when they died, you know, what their hair was like, all that sort of stuff. So I then whittled it down via health. And then I went for the, oh, cool, he said he loves whatever <laughs> book. So you did well, it the other way or, around. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of siloed it out that way because... But again, I didn't know where to start. You don't know where to start. And there's no right answer. That was the worst. And I really like hard answers. So that's what I found tough is once I'd got to it. I mean, there isn't much reassurance around any area of fertility, let alone no. if you're doing it solo. Yeah. And I suddenly... So I you're trying, you, keep trying, you keep trying to find a way to feel safe. Yeah, and there isn't one exactly because you're on that. this voyage. Yeah, exactly that. And once I decided the donor, I sort of... I kind of wanted a, you know, a America's Got Talent streamer type scenario of, yeah, you've picked the right one, woohoo! And actually, I was just still there on my own in my living room thinking, fuck, is that the right one? But I added it to the basket and it was being shipped over and, you know... And I so just you bought out. three straws and how much was that? That's three goes. That's three goes, yeah. Oh my God, do you know, I can't remember. But thousands. But yeah, in including, because then they ask what shipping, how you want it shipped. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Surely <laughs> there's an optimal way of shipping the sperm. I've no idea. Ship whatever will make it get here and get me pregnant. I don't know. You know, so I went. So you're constantly, expensive. aren't you? You are constantly making taking advice. We're making stupid decisions. <laughs> no, but you're constantly ta- you're constantly taking advice from people you don't have any particular reason to trust, other than nope. they you've been told they're an authority, and Absolutely. you're so you yeah so you're having to press go on things yeah and in a way that things, you wouldn't make other decisions never, in your life. No, and people ask me a lot of things on Instagram, and I'm like I can't tell you, like I yes I've done it, but I'm not an authority. Like I'm really um, passionate about telling people that this book that I've written isn't a handbook on how to get pregnant solo because it isn't it's about my life and how I did it and why I did it and that kind of thing because I can't tell you how to do it I can't tell you whether Danish or USA or whatever sperm is better or how to but do it but it might that. be a bit of a handbook on on how you might possibly feel absolutely yeah it's more about feelings than but people don't want to know about feelings because they know how they feel so that what they would like is someone to say, oh, oh, choose the nitrogen option because that will definitely get you pregnant. And yeah. I can't do that. No one can do that. So, yeah, again, I'd chosen the sperm, but then I had to choose a billion other things to see whether... I mean, I think that in my experience with, with solo motherhood, by far the weirdest bit is the preamble, is yeah. the thinking about getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant, and then being pregnant. Yes. Because it all makes sense if you manage to get, if you're lucky enough to get a baby in your arms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but the yeah. narrative of doing it by yourself prior to that is, is quite strange. Yeah, really strange. And something you have to... I did a lot of grieving, I think, actually, for the life I assumed I was going to have. Well, you have to um, reframe it, don't you? It's, you like, it's not to, the dream, yeah, it's a different dream. dream. And it's there's no dream. point trudging towards it in no. anger and resentment. Absolutely. You've got to go with like, cool, this is, you know, yeah, that didn't happen. And I had to grieve that to make it kind of go away so that I could go on with like, whoa, I'm going to get pregnant. This is wild. Um, as opposed to, oh God, I'm getting pregnant on my own. 
and then and then you have to do all that stuff. I mean, in some cases, secretly, um, what people secretly do when they're trying to get pregnant, where you give up drinking, yeah. and you know, if you're quietly having your IUI, your IVF, you're not exercising, you're not having hot baths, you're not yeah, doing yeah, all these yeah. things you're not meant to do. You know, again, sort of slightly by yourself in a vacuum. So it's all there are lots of echoes in your own head around that, aren't which there? is why I started to talk about it online because actually right. that was for me as much too lonely. Else. What yeah. do you think was your lowest point in this journey? Uh, pregnancy. Was it? Yeah, actually. So, okay, so you went off, you had your yeah. IUI, yeah. you had it four times. Four times, yeah. Did it occur to you in, the, in those, uh, that it might not happen? Were you starting to get nervy or yeah, were you so still I'd, steady? I told myself I'd do four IUI and then I'd do two IVF. I had to give myself a limit because I am someone that doesn't understand limits or, you know, I... Yeah, I'm abundant in everything. Yeah, so, we call it we call it hopping on the egg escalator. And when you yes. get on the egg escalator, you Absolutely. don't know where it will take you. So you have to have some idea of your own boundaries in your mind. Because otherwise, I knew I'd be 65, still trying and living in a trolley cave, you know, <laughs> in my brother's drive or something. Because yeah. that would have been. And so I had to give myself parameters. I knew that that was the only thing I did know is that I had to give myself parameters. So you were heading towards your fourth cycle of IVI, uh, sorry, of IUI, IUI yeah. knowing that this was going to be your last of this iteration. Yeah. Things could get a lot more intense and expensive. Yes. So, yeah. so were you feeling worried? No, I knew that it wasn't going to work. So in my head, I was like, well, this isn't going to work. I'm just doing it because I told myself I'd do it four times and I am stubborn as an ox. So if I tell myself I'll do something, I'll do it whether... I know it's the wrong thing or not, you know, I'm quite irritating. And so the fourth guy just sort of drove up to London, got it done, left, came home, didn't think I, didn't matter. The two-week wait didn't really happen because I wasn't going to get pregnant, just didn't matter. Because the first um, one, IUI, you were like, you got like your, everything oh, waxed, God, waxed, you were wearing heels, I had a manicure. you had your hair done, oh, it was like, yeah. oh, here I am prepared for exactly. the procedure. It's As funny, if, isn't it, with this stuff, how you go from having a do. wax and a pedicure to suddenly just walking in the room and going, where are the stirrups? Yeah, like, do whatever you need to do to me, I don't yeah. care. Put it in. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. My knickers are off. We don't need to chat about it. <laughs> Go in. Uh, but yeah, no, the first time I, I was like, oh, hi. No, I'd definitely make a good mother. Look at me. I've got a waxed vagina and my nose is perfectly manicured. <laughs> to, oh, whatever. Yeah, you don't know my name. Sure, it's Liv, the one that's here, you know. And of course, that was the one I got pregnant on. We interrupt this broadcast with a news flash. Yes, I am getting a third piercing, a third ear piercing, which means I'm now obsessed with creating the perfect stack. Um, listen, I'm a proper amateur because I only got my ears pierced for the first time two years ago. But naturally now I want to really load up. Never go halves. And it's also <laughs> confusing. And plus the confusion of the consumer guilt. Well, hold on there. We have discovered a fantastic jewellery brand called Ana Luisa, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, whose entire mission is to prove that high-quality jewellery shouldn't cost the planet. So it's guilt-free shopping that doesn't cost the earth or the earth. And they are giving I'm Absolutely Fine listeners 10% off with the code absolutelyfine at analuisa.com. It's a treasure trove. Anyway, back to my perfect stack. <laughs> You're like... Stop with the size bit. <laughs> so we've chosen um, a mixture of some mid-sized gold hoops and chunky little huggies and cheeky sort of lightning bolt drops, that kind of thing. Um, and they're giving us real joy. And there's quite a lot to be said for joy at the moment. Also, they're well-priced enough to make 
quite thrilling presents. So if you're looking forward to Christmas with kind of panic, you might want to get busy. Um, they release new jewellery collections every Friday at analouise.com, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Now use the code absolutely fine for a 10% discount. Now we are big fans of their metal and their message. And if you head over to Insta, you can see our stacks. Oh, that sounds rude. Yeah, everything sounds rude <laughs> if you try hard enough. Anyway, 10% off with the code absolutely fine. But then pregnancy was quite hard. Pregnancy was awful. And that, why was that? I was sick the whole time. I don't think I had high premises, but I think I was probably on the verge of it at the beginning. And obviously you're having to work and take responsibility had for everything because there's no one yeah. to pick up the slack. No, yeah. and I had a job and I was also trying to set up a new business with some friends and like and I had building work going on at home and like it was all quite a lot and all I'd wanted to do was get pregnant all my life. And now I'd made my dreams come true and I felt like shit. It's and, so unfair. Oh, it's so awful. And like, it consumed every waking moment, the sickness. So there were a couple of times in the middle of the night when I was pregnant and the house didn't feel like it was mine because there was building work going on and, you know, and I was just lying on my bathroom floor, just hugging the toilet in tears, like, what the fuck have I done? How arrogant am I to think I could do this on my own? You know, yeah, those were definitely the lowest. And then I moved in with friends for some of it and then my sister for a bit because the building work was too bad. I didn't have a kitchen and stuff. And that was tough too, like being with other people and wanting to tell them how to live in their own house because I was like, please don't eat now because I'm going to be sick if you eat now. Please don't make noise because, you know, I was just really dramatic about everything because my body was just and everyone kept going it means it's a healthy pregnancy and I was like I don't care I'm gonna vomit on your fucking shoes in a minute back up Janet but first couple of weeks that was quite tough too because I was so happy I had this baby and I I knew I loved him but if you took him away from me I wouldn't have cared at that stage and how has it unfolded for you since then it's got like better every day but the first time like I say just now I knew I loved him but I if you'd taken him away I wouldn't have battered an eyelid um my sister took him when he was about three weeks old to her house overnight and I know loads of people will be like what so three weeks what did you and she kept saying are you sure you want me and I was like yeah yeah and she was like oh god okay so took him because she wanted to see her family and you know and I think she was a bit worried about my kind of yeah 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 absolutely bye but actually I went home slept for 16 hours picked him up and when he came back I knew I loved him and actually that time away completely saved me in him and he held my little finger and I was like oh god yeah I'm in it's it's happened finally it's happened because I presumed that love would come well, I think that's Second another unhelpful, one. I think it's another unhelpful narrative, yeah, is that absolutely. the baby will emerge and before they can even deal with your placenta, you're yeah. feeling a love like no other. Some people love that first two, three weeks. I wouldn't go through that again for love nor money. And I had 24-7 help. My sister's mm-hmm. been 24-7 and I found it unbelievable. But since then, it's just got better and better. Yeah, I mean, he's now three and a half and he's funny and he's cool and... When he's not, like this weekend, there was one day that I could have happily given him to anyone that walked past. But that's because he's three and a half. Like, yeah, yeah. And then yesterday he was just 
delightful and kept going, oh, mummy, you're my best friend. You really are beautiful. I'm like, oh, my God, you are good. Well done. <laughs> you can um, stay. He's just started preschool and I'm not coping with that at all. And that's the same for whether I was doing it on my own or whether Dave was next to me holding my hand walking into school. Like, It isn't the same. Do you not think? No, it's not the same. I think that often what people say to you is they sort of say, oh, well, you know, you know, husbands are so useless. It's just oh, the same as yeah, doing it by yourself. It, it, it's, it's, it's not yeah. the same. And I think you should no. allow yourself that, that you yeah, are no, doing more. I do more. sometimes. But there are some things where I'm like, fuck, I'm so glad I'm on my own. Because my <laughs> friends, like the chat they all have about the fact that someone's not put the bins out or they're away again this weekend or... You know, the mother in law. I know, at least you way. don't have the resentment. I don't have any resentment. Like, but you I also know, don't have anyone who's going to split the mortgage payments with no, you. No, exactly, I don't have... So it is swings and roundabouts, but there's there's a lot of good sides to it as well. But Christ, Are you funny in your book about the sort of, you know, understandable slash annoying things that people will say to someone oh, who's, yeah. um, who's made the decision that you have? And what yeah. sort of things have you found people oh, sort of saying it, to It's you? always things like, and I don't really care about, like, I'm not someone who's sensitive to anything, really. But there are some things I'm like, oh my. and it's the, uh, I would have done the same if I hadn't have met Dave when I did. <laughs> and you know that they met Dave when they were 24. And <laughs> they really didn't have to live their adult life single. You know, and you're like, oh my God, you, you, sure you would have done it. Okay, fine. Fine. Um, and the one thing that really winds me up is... Liv, can you come over to stay this weekend? Because so-and-so is away. You know, the partner's away. You know, and you're like, what to... Oh, because... yes, you said in your book, you said that they say, yes, uh, because I'm single parenting I'm single this parenting. weekend. And it's like, do you, you want to single, single parenting parent... isn't about the day. No. It's about, or... it's, it really isn't. It's about many, many machinations yeah, or that and plans. Kind of, I'm scared and... because Dave isn't here tonight. Can you come? <laughs> like, I have to sleep on my own with the light on every night at 42 years old and also the trouble is because because also the trouble is because families tend to draw a bridge and want to either be by themselves often at weekends or with other similar shaped families they might only want them you want you there when it's single parent weekend did you find that you were you were left down not sort of shut out but sort of left out of conventional family business absolutely and even sometimes not no, no and i need to caveat this by saying no one does this deliberately. They're not doing it. It's just subconsciously. But like, even my family would be like, oh, we're having a family weekend this weekend. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. And yeah, friends will invite me if their husbands aren't there. Or uh, I won't be invited over for dinner parties, really. Because in my head, I assume it's because I'm not bringing anything to the party. Or we're not part of the rugby club. Or, you know, there's just things that... And again, like I said, no one's doing it deliberately. But you do become quite an ostracised is way too big a word but you there are things that you're like oh okay I'm not invited I, to I, yeah again. I think I think I think I, I agree ostracised is too big a word Much I'm not sure big. what the right word no, is either. but you're somehow not part of the fabric yeah maybe yeah well you'll um, just the anomaly so people don't know where, yes, where to put you so they, they just panic and yeah, don't yes, they panic and don't and again no one's doing it deliberately but sitting on the other side I think people assume I'm constantly out having a fun time because I'm single. But actually now I don't go out. And the more I don't go out, the more socially awkward I am. And like you were saying, Annabelle, about going to a party on Thursday, the thought of going to a party on Thursday night where I'd have to dress up and maybe drink and have small talk with people at and the I moment think... makes me want to 
just I think out. I think also if you're a solo parent, I think that you get scared of the tiredness in a slightly different way. Yes, yeah, so my friends are real drinkers and I used to be a real drinker and I don't drink so much anymore because I can't parent. I put sleep over everything. That's how I survive. I'm sure people ask you all the time, mm. should I do this? I can't answer um, that. What advice do you give them if they decide that they're going to do this? Yeah, if they decide they're going to do it, is save every penny you have. The financial implication of solo parenting, if you want to be able to afford to take them to the zoo or be able to afford to go out with your friends, for, you know, just... And again, that's from a place of privilege, and I get that, that that is what I'm used to. But that is what I'm used to, and so stripping that out entirely... It's hard. So, in the other words, to, if you to try and find a way to continue to live in the manner to which you've become accustomed because yeah, of your own it. hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. my own hard work, exactly. And like, I budget to do fun things in the month, and that's what I budget to do it. But I had to sell my house because I got in so much debt because of childcare. Because childcare costs are, if you don't have any. I don't know, I don't have any parents, so there was no one that was going to do it for free for me. And I chose to have a baby on my own. I cho- I made this decision, um, but I didn't realise how hardcore childcare costs were in this country and how rigid it is and how frigging ridiculous it is. And so, yeah, my, my one thing would be is don't just plan for the financial implications of fertility, which is what everyone thinks about. It's when they're here. It is tough. It's constant. There is childcare costs or you want them to learn to swim. And do you know how to teach a kid to swim? Mm, I could probably give it a go, but would it be the best way? Or do you know what I mean? Just everything costs money. So yeah. it's it's interesting, isn't it? You're not saying it's nothing to do with loneliness or look after yourself no. or any of those, those you know, those, those, those kind, yes, those sort of self-care messages that mm. we're all, the COD psychology and the stuff that we all live in now. Yes. It's actually really look very hard at the money. Is that that's yeah, the yeah, takeaway for you? Because I think you should be thinking about all the other things about you anyway. Like I think, like I say, I prioritise sleep over everything. That's what I do. Um, and if that goes, our whole world goes to shit. And what about male role models? You know, mm-hmm. when there's always a whisper from somebody somewhere thinking, oh, but, you know, is it ethical, a child without a I father? Know. Isn't that weird? Mm. Well, like, I have no father. And I know what I'm missing because I knew my dad. Whereas Herb, he knows that other people have dads, but he doesn't have someone that he misses. So he doesn't know what that shape is to miss. And in terms of male role models... I have two brothers. He has five godfathers. I have a So really... give these people their jobs. Absolutely, man. And I've got a really close... I'm really lucky. All of my male friends, you know, they're very involved. They love Herb. Yeah, I don't think Herb will ever think that. But we talk about it all the time. I don't keep anything away from him. He knows already he doesn't have a dad. We talk about it. And that conversation will grow and grow and grow the older he gets and the older he can understand how it came about and like I've had made into a book his donor's uh, file and had it illustrated so that it's not quite so dull Um, (laughs) just so that we can go through it and go oh look your donor liked whatever pepperoni pizza aren't there sibling registries yeah so he could potentially find siblings later if he wanted to if he wanted to he can do it and the donor's an open donor so when Herb is 18 he can find his donor um and that's which is a 
decision that you make, isn't it? What about romance? How do you feel about that now? Oh, my God. I'd love to be in love. Like, I say all this solo parenting and all that. And that is, in my head at the moment, very separate to me being in love. Like, I'd love to be in love. I'd love to share life with someone. I'd love it. I wouldn't know where to start. No one has ever once said, oh, I know someone that I could hook you up with. So I don't know whether I'm just like an anomaly. I think sometimes when someone sees you, when people see you with a baby, you look quite complete. Yeah, there is that. But there was 20 years before that that I didn't (laughs) (laughs) Motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I'd love it. But, yeah, I suspect whilst I'm a catch, there's no partner. There's no mother-in-law. I've got my own house, got my own teeth. I suspect I'm also quite hard work. <laughs> so God knows. But I figure all my friends, well, not all my friends, but as in people are all going to start getting divorced soon. So there's going to be another influx of men at some stage. Um, sure. Blood or, flow. Also, yes. there's a hot, handsome, hot dog guy. walking Watch. guy. Exactly. There I mean, this is, is the no beginning way. of everything. Can you imagine? You know, this I, um, is the next I, I think, There's no way he's single. <laughs> I, think we, I think we have to let you go, Liv, because I think it's time for you to go for a nice long walk in the village. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And peer through some windows, and you know, no, no one will think you're weird. It's fine. I'll be fine. Be in prison by far. <laughs> yes, exactly. Terrible God, advice. Yeah. Then we'll look after her. Yeah. But I mean, you know, thank you for writing a book that's so generous with everything that you went through. Because I think you know, a lot of women are thinking about this now I know. if they're not I'm doing just it. Passionate that people, and and not people that are just thinking about it, just other people to to get a perspective on it. And if you are thinking about it, and your mum's being a bit like. <sighs> should you really darling you know these are the thoughts that you're having that you might not be able to express to them or I just want people to read it and loads of people have told me that they've asked for it to be put in their libraries or it's being given out on their midwifery course and I'm like yes that's exactly yeah. it thank because you because there Done. is another way there is another way and it's and it's fine don't don't make your whole 20s and 30s just funnel focused about the fact it might not happen for you and that's all you're thinking about because it could happen for you and it's cool yeah you know you're as brave as what you want so if you want it yeah you know get yourself you know armed and dangerous and off you go into your future so congratulations on your book on your baby on being a sensation and um thank you for coming to see us thank you you so much thanks Bye. bye you've been listening to annabelle rifkin and emily mcmeekin of the mid-alt our book i'm absolutely fine is out now If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. When life shuts a door, open it again. It's a door. That's how they work. Hi, my name is Kay Adams. And to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.